Let's run the tape. Run it. Hey, run it, run it now. Play it. Hit it I listened Sam. to a podcast the other day and she actually said, oh, we're going to do this this week and that this week. So let's run the tape. And I thought okay. I'm starting with that. Are we, are, we, are we at that level now of desperation where we're starting to slag off and bitch about other podcasts? Haven't we always done that? Yeah, but you know, well, I haven't because I never ever listened to any. No desperation ever. lives here. You know why? Why? We're being featured. We've been oh, sought out. Yeah, that's right. I doubt that very much. Hello, we're being featured in something I've never heard of Aww. this week. Did you know? <laughs> well, seriously. Yes. Okay. Well, and there'll tell, even be a picture me, of me in there. Tell me more about. Not the you. Thing you've never heard there'll of. be a picture in there. Hang on, let me find. It's the. It's for the alumni of <laughs> City University journalism graduates. Oh, that, that's you, isn't it? Not City, no. Uh, which one did you go to? Uh, I went to Sussex University. Oh, okay. What's that well, like? Where did you go? I never went to journalism college at all. I failed to get in. Didn't you start? No, I, no, no, you're mixing me up there. So I went Sorry, to that's my big, so, large so ice cube rattling so, uh, around. My, my academic career was sort of basically lavishly endowed with failure. Um, I, I did terrible in my A-levels. and I did terrible. I got one A grade and the rest were B's and E's. So the only place what that was would the A grade me, in? Uh, maths. So I was desperate to go to university. So I phoned round, having failed to get into my first choice university. And um, that summer was, it was 1984. And that summer there had been riots in Liverpool. So nobody was applying to Liverpool University. So when I phoned them up and said, look, I've got an A in maths and nothing else. I said, you can come and do maths. <laughs> and so I said, okay, great. So when I went up there to be dropped off at the halls of residence was literally the first time I'd seen it. I'd never attended an interview or done anything like that. But it was really good. I really enjoyed my time there. But I never went to any lectures. And I got kicked out after the end of second year because I failed all my exams. And I got hauled before this thing called the Progress Committee. And they said, um, do you have any idea how many lectures you've attended, Mr. Ando? And I said, I have no idea how many lectures I've attended. And they said, you've attended 17% of your lectures. And I said, oh, and they kicked me out. And they, you know, they, they, they were right to kick me out. I was a terrible student, but I had a great Why time. Why did you only go to 17%? Because I was too lazy. Um, I mean, throughout my you're life, I was lazy, incredibly though. lazy. But I mean I, was, I, was, I mean, I was even lazier then than I am now. And I'm incredibly lazy. You're now. not lazy. You're actually <sighs> really not lazy. You look like you're lazy, but you're not. Okay, is it like a swan where it looks all sedate? I just and lazy had to get to surface, a small insult. I'm, I'm pedaling away. <laughs> no, you don't pedal away, but you're reliable, Lily. Okay, well, fair enough. Yeah, I, I can't try to be reliable. I'm sure um, your percentage attendance for BBC shifts was very high. <laughs> I'd like to think it was 100%. So that's, they certainly paid me for 100%. Like a pig to the trough. <laughs> I don't. I never took any time off. I, I was never off sick. The only time I was ever off sick from work was when I had a skiing accident and had to be airlifted off the slopes. So I was not oh, the yes. Sashan of the slopes. <laughs> what I year was that? That would have been, that was when I was still at ITN. So it was in 1990 something. Oh, so the um, airlifting wasn't just because of the weight. No, it wasn't just, <laughs> no, I, I hit a sort of a, the, the, it was the first run of the day. The, um, the ski run was freshly pieced and I hit a ridge and just flew right up in the air and I landed fair square on my back. The problem was I was wearing this massive rucksack that was full of the ex-Mrs. A's fleece, spare fleece, under top, over top and Bloomers. lunch. And so this, this thing was so bulky that as I hit, it completely failed to give at all. And my sort of head snapped back. So I got whiplash. So it was but her I fault, to, I thought, really. I thought I'd broken my leg for a while because I was completely paralysed for a few hours. 
Ooh. Yeah, I know. It wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't a bunch of laughs. So it was her no, I fault. La- I laugh about it now. <laughs> I'll say it thrice. It was her fault. <laughs> it was what what? Because you had to carry her bloomers around. It was her fault. <laughs> it was her fault. I've always blamed her. Because of your deafness, our listenership has to listen to me saying things four or five times. Or or I had to edit out of the last podcast the four or five times when I was like, did you get any of that? Because there was a long sight. There was just on the audio, there was just this long like boop. And then I'd be like, so what do you think, Ben? And then it would just be nothing. While you were like, and all you could hear was a clicking of the mouse. Click, 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 was- click, click, click. click, click. <laughs> Was it a pregnant silence? <laughs> no, nothing about us is fecund. Oh, God. Right, I'm Victoria Mitzi. I'm a podcaster, a journalist and a Devon dweller. I'm Ben and, Kerr. And this is no, Ben Kerr. Ben this is Ben. I'm a former... What am I? I'm, I'm, I'm now a director of a very small company that makes model trains. Before that, I used to be a news correspondent with BBC for many years. And lots of my chums have recently asked me, oh, my God, if you were still at the BBC, would you be involved in World War Three? And honestly, I don't know. I suspect I wouldn't have been in the first wave because I wasn't an international correspondent. But the way these things work is you send people out for usually a week to 10 days at a time, maybe two weeks. People can will often say, I want to stay. But broadly speaking, you don't want people getting too fatigued and it can be very draining being in those environments where you're not sleeping well. So they try to rotate staff. So the chances are, given that I was always hostile environment trained, um, that I'd have been on maybe the second or the third wave of people going out there. So at some point I could have found myself that day, yeah. I would have been happily covering it from a studio somewhere <laughs> in rural Kasia somewhere. went out safe. there. Kasia went to Poland. Yeah, Kasia's Polish. She is Polish. Yeah, she's from Poland. So the Terminator was hanging around in a playground and bumped into Kasia Madeira in the playground. And they were like, oh, that's a bit weird. She was in Brook Green in West London. And they were both like "Mm, out of context. And now she's in Mapip. Well, she knows she's back now. She was in the studio last night or the night before. Oh, yes. Actually, I do know that because she quite prolifically tweets. So weirdly, I even knew that before you said it because she was like, "But I will be back on this, that, and the other, and you can watch yeah. me. You can catch me here." And, right, and yeah, yeah, it's, she's good. She's good. I tell you, who's played a blinder in my opinion is Clive Myrie. He's been fantastic. Everyone loves Clive Myrie. Everyone loves Clive. Although, yeah, didn't really he trip you up at one yeah, point? Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> See, have, have I'm Elephantine. Have I told you that story on the podcast before or should I tell it now? No, you haven't. Because I haven't <laughs> led you into it. Because you want to say everyone's um, super fantastic. No, Clive, nice. is a lovely, he, Clive is a genuinely lovely guy. But um, he is, of course, the former Paris correspondent for BBC. And he was Paris correspondent in about 2000, and, 2000 to 2004 or something like that. Anyway, there was an occasion when um, there had been some kind of a terrorist incident near the Eiffel Tower. And a bunch of the news had broken about half seven eight o'clock at night there'd been a bunch of people arrested and i had to so i was the late reporter so i was the only person on the desk there and i had to to run into the studio with one line of press association copy nothing been filed from our guys in paris and clive was a presenter this would be about i don't know 2012 something like that and clive sort of said so you know there's been a a, some kind of terrorist incident at the other tower with the latest of our correspondent ben ando ben what 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 have you got for us and so i just basically rattled off my one line of pa copy and got to the end of it about sort of i don't know 
30, 45 seconds of talking and breathe a big sigh of relief that, right, that's great. At which point Clive then says, and of course, Ben, things will be different now when they're arrested because they've got the magisterial system, haven't they? I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, Clive, I don't know. You're the former Paris correspondent. You tell me. <laughs> but I managed to say, well, yes, things will be different there. But of course, if it happened here, this would happen. And just talked about what I knew, which is the standard journalist response. If you don't know the answer, just talk about what you do know. Why did he and ask hope, that? Hope nobody notices what? Why do you think he asked that? Oh, he was just involved. He was in the moment. He was interested in the story. I mean, because, he, of course, he's a former Paris correspondent. He, story in Paris. He's like, oh, my God, what's happening? People like, is it people like, yeah, that, that usual thing. If you've lived somewhere, you're always much more interested in the news than if you haven't lived somewhere. This is why you're always interested in these tedious, chavvy criminals in Plymouth. <laughs> and I'm not, but we talk about them anyway. They do provide quite a lot of our hardy hours. Yeah, come on, I want you to talk me through this cracker this week. I would very much like to tell you about news in my local area because that's what's relevant. It's the news you need. <laughs> tell me about the Sainsbury's Angel Delight Thief. Okay, well, the, let me tell you about the story behind finding them. I often go to my local criminals facing Plymouth magistrates section of news and because it's got some beautiful mug shots to start with and um, the headline is Sainsbury's Angel Delight Thief among latest criminals facing the, the magistrates at Plymouth and um, and this actually I'd, I think judging from the story Daniel Alexander Robertson age 43 of Park Avenue Devonport stole razor blades pale ale and angel delight from sainsbury's and um, he's been penalized razor blades beer and angel delight or was he planning the saddest suicide ever yeah clearly i mean if anything wants to make you top yourself it's angel delight i mean there can't be many on death row who has when given their last meal request request angel delight and beer Imagine that. Oh, it would kill you before the electric chair got to you. I, we made Angel Delight about a month ago because my daughter had never had it. And um, she's five, by the way. And when I started eating it, I thought, it's really I, nice. I could quite happily go to my grave with never having had it. Have you ever had it? What, Angel Delight? Yeah. I think I've had it. I mean, when I was a kid, I think I had it maybe once or twice. My reason behind it was that I Is never it... had it before. Is it like Blamange? No, it's just like a packet that you and you mix it with milk. So it's kind of oh. I quite like creamy milky stuff. <laughs> that one's for Ian Bit Dead. Oh groan. <laughs> but it's like raspberry creamy nice stuff. So a couple of bites, then on the third bite, I was just like, this is making me want to puke. So Daniel Robertson age 43, will be wanting to puke. And do you know what there's an awful lot of on here, which is actually quite sad, is a lot of shoplifting. And for me, when I hear crimes of shoplifting, I think drugs. Yeah. I've also got to show you this lady. You think you'd like them? What? You don't think Angel Delight? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Although that's probably the cool name for a drug. I'm going I'm to just send... looking at... This list of people who have appeared before Plymouth Magistrates. Yeah. I'm looking at all the drink driving, and this is interesting. So one, two, three, four people, uh, two men, two women, uh, all between the ages of 27 and 37, all done for drink driving, all given 
a 12-month ban. Sorry, three women and one man. The three women were given a 12-month ban. The man was given a 16-month ban. They were all fined £120, pay, ordered to pay £85 costs and a £34 victim surcharge. And there's one other woman who's was uh, done for drink driving, three counts of causing criminal damage to two cars and a wall. And she was given a 12-month community order, fined £100 and ordered to pay... Um, a £95 victim surcharge and £85 in cost. So she had a smaller fine. And as far as I can see on this, unless it's been misreported, she didn't actually get a driving ban, which seemed a bit rich, given that she's the one who crashed her car into a wall. Ben, I've sent you a thing just which is a bit linked to that. Can you have a look at it? Have you got it? I have got it. What do you think of that lady? Is this the scrofulous Deanna Thornton? That's right. It's definitely kind of drug related. And yeah. these guys have had, and that's maybe why the other sentence was a little bit misaligned, because they take into account the fact that people have got problems like this lady clearly has. So a couple stole alcohol and shavers worth almost £4,000 to pay off his drug debts. Chronic addicts Tom Sanders and Deanna Thornton took champagne and spirits from large stores, including Tesco and Sainsbury's. And they also burgled the Plymouth Hotel and raided the linen cupboard. Oh, I didn't see that bit. But um, I'm going to post the link, actually, because this lady like has a, quite a crazy face. And to me, it just spells out more than actually these uh, this article says about the crime and the problems because she uh, was introduced to hard drugs by an abusive partner and has already chalked up more than a hundred offences at the age of thirty-seven. Wow! Yeah. Um, and the court heard that they yeah. she had one hundred and six offences and Sanders had twenty-four offences on their records. I love the way they went into a hotel and filled a bag with bedding and other items from the linen cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been my order that I put in because they stole to order. I'd like some new bedding, <laughs> please. And a deodorant I mean, that's and not a really shaver. Shocking. It's not yeah. what? Well, oh, shavers though, because I think, well, shavers as opposed to razors. I think it's because they're quite high valued, but they don't, they're not high value enough to have purity tags on them. And you can easily slip them into a, a, a Gucci bag that you may be carrying. Do you know what? You're slotting into my theory that most journalists and reporters are essentially criminals. <laughs> I'm not a criminal. You were. You were a criminal at school, weren't you? Oh, well, I was briefly a criminal. It's true. Yeah, I wasn't a very good criminal there. Do you caught. want to tell your story? No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> Don't then. <laughs> maybe, maybe one for another day. I only remember stupid shit like that. <laughs> I forget anything else that's important. Um, can we get on to our meaty crime then? Yeah. You were doing the big one. Oh, okay. Ben well, so this is fascinating. And if this is a crime that kind of passed me by, and I suspect that's because, like many people, I became kind of bored of the COVID-dominated news and so sort of tuned out. This is a, a, a real shocker. So um, it's last October, October, sorry, October 2020, I should say. And three people murdered in Warwickshire. Um, the victims, Julie Williams, who was 58, her son, David, who was 32, and Nicole, Gr uh, Nicole McGregor, uh, a woman aged 31, who at the time she was strangled to death was also pregnant. Um, the culprit was 39 year old Anthony Russell. 
um, and he's been sentenced to a whole life prison term, which of course is quite exceptional um, on its own. And the judge when sentencing said, uh, you are exceptionally dangerous and manipulative. And the circumstances are these. So um, basically this guy, uh, Russell, he met Nicole McGregor and she went with him to Woodland where he raped her and then strangled her. And the court heard that was probably uh, because they were going to take drugs together. And her family uh, said, obviously, you know, were heartbroken. They said that the killing had destroyed the family. This was a victim impact statement made by Nicole McGregor's mother, Maggie, who said Nicole was caring, she was kind, and behind her barriers, she had a heart of gold. And that little phrase there, behind her barriers, shows me that she was clearly somebody who did have some issues in her life and some difficulties in her life. Um, and this, she was therefore a vulnerable person. Once again, um, you know, vulnerable people seem to be those who are most likely to become victims of crime. Um, the other two victims were uh, David Williams and his mother. Um, and what happened there was that um, this guy, Russell, was in the, had the mistaken belief that David Williams uh, was in uh, a relationship with his girlfriend. And he strangled Williams uh, in October 2020, leaving body under the bed where it was found five days later. And then Mr. Williams's 58-year-old mother was also attacked and murdered, and she suffered 113 separate injuries. And uh, the officers, police officers believe that Russell killed Julie Williams to stop her speaking to the police because uh, she saw what he'd done to her son. Um, this is just an awful, awful crime. And as I said at the start, it kind of almost seems to slip beneath the radar in the sort of the, the deluge of COVID-based news that we were it having to put up It didn't get under the YDLMF production radar, did it, Ben? It did not, no. You spotted it. I've got the nose for crime. You, you spotted it. You're, you, you know, nothing gets possible. No, no, you certainly have got a nose. And nose flies on mitts. <gasps> or no flies on mitts. He's off again. Say. He's off again. Old <laughs> schnozzo Ando's off again. <laughs> hey, I, I've got a big nose and I'm proud of it. I don't try and deny my nasal my nasal magnificence. Well, maybe I should jump on your bandwagon. And when I when all my hair falls out, I'll join the proud bald club too. Bald big nose. <laughs> Baldy big nose. <laughs> well, I love that you're proud. <laughs> I love your self-love. Yeah, it is hideous. You're absolutely right. And it was something that we couldn't skirt over because it was just too brutal and the judge seems to agree. The judge whole, did agree. Mr Justice Wall told the court whole life orders were only for exceptionally serious cases. Yeah and he described Russell as a man prepared to use very significant violence on anyone. He said you are exceptionally dangerous to those who know you and those who do not. A person from the Crown Prosecution Service added that um, his decision to deny raping Ms McGregor, um, despite the strength of the circumstantial evidence against him, had forced the family to relive the tragic circumstances around her death at the trial. Which, as you and I both know, Ben, in, in a court, it's, sort, it's a, such a microcosm of the scene isn't it? It's a very strange environment where these things in such a... So people are coming in from their day, they've gone and got a coffee, and then they sit down and hear how their daughter, sister has been treated on a perhaps drug-taking spree. We don't know the details particularly. It's it's quite lacking in details, actually, this, because it's the circumstances are all really strange. 
you know, what was he yeah. doing to inflict 113 a, separate injuries to the mother of Mr. Williams? She's it's a good question. Yeah, I mean, he's he just obviously, I mean, to use a phrase, he must have just lost it. Because um, I know that it sounds bad, but if somebody is taking drugs and they're, you know, to me, if you commit murder, I sort of, it slightly mitigates the crime through maybe loss of control, but that doesn't suggest a, you know, a loss of control. It suggests it's more calculated than that, that he really wants to inflict pain. He, I mean, he's clearly is just one of those vicious, violent individuals. I mean, he, you know, even, okay, the court heard that he was described as a rather sad and pathetic individual by his own barrister, but he hadn't attended the sentencing hearing. Uh, that's because attempts to get him in a prison van to take him to court resulted in staff being put in what was described in court as situations of danger. So he was lashing out. He didn't want to go to basically have the book thrown at him. And the, 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 it was clearly, he, he's such a vicious individual. There was a sense that, you know, trying to force him into a prison van would have, um, you know, been a dangerous to the prison sort of officers and prison staff involved. What makes someone like that? Oh, gosh. Um, well, um, some some drugs can lead to psychotic episodes. We know that. Um, some but people presumably just... he's not on drugs if he's in custody. Some people, <laughs> I think he's more likely, given the... <laughs> Given the state of uh, most prisons, I strongly suspect he'd be more likely to be on drugs if he's in custody. Better ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. High, higher quality drugs, more likely good to induce shit. psychotic episodes. The real, the really good stuff. Um, no, I, I, some people are just ash, vicious, angry, nasty people, aren't they? I mean, it's, you know, they're, somebody's, often it's just something, they're, they're wired wrong in their brains, which is probably why the judge is presumably had you know psychiatric reports reports to look at before sentencing and has made the clear decision that this man is going to be a danger to other people for the rest of his life and that is why only a whole life term is appropriate he also told um russell told her partner the baby's father who he also killed um i bet you can't wait for the baby to be born despite knowing that he killed and raped her so, I yeah. mean, it gets a bit confusing, but I think that that's quite clear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, he's he's just clearly a, a vicious, evil um, man. You know, that's and, what and... always gets me about, you know, when, when people saw the uh, Yorkshire Ripper, Peter Sutcliffe, they said that he just seemed like a really, it's so innocuous, you know, that, that they couldn't believe that this man had done these terrible things because he was a bit drippy. And this guy's a bit drippy, but why are drippy people so capable? Surely you'd, you know, be out and out mean, like Hitler or Putin. We'll come on to him in a minute. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure, entirely sure this guy was drippy. I mean, I, I get the sense. Well, oh, I thought that's what his, pro his, his defence agreed to. Well, no, they said he was pathetic um, and sad. Um, and that's, that's not drippy. I, I see pathetic as drippy. Uh, well, he was clearly somebody who was had a predilection for extreme violence and was, you know, not somebody who. I, I think. I think the one thing we can definitely say for sure is that he must have had a very, very short fuse. Well, thank you for that. Conclusion. Yeah, that's my insight. There you go, folks. And you know, first, as Judgy Wudgy said, talking of people with short fuses. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. Um, as Judgey Wudgey said to him, you're exceptionally dangerous to those who know you and those who do not. 
<laughs> I said that a couple of minutes ago. Oh, did you? Yes. I'm so sorry. I'm so busy, like, multitasking behind the scenes, trying to... I was trying to find something which I'd screenshotted because Colin Sutton's up for an award. Oh, Colin is. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, for Manhunt. Oh, well, well done, Colin. If you're listening, congratulations. And uh, thanks for coming on before. And hope, I'm sure we'll have you on again at some point. We'd love to see I know. Once but... you succumb to my stalking. Well, yeah. But... <laughs> Oh, here we go. It's been nominated in the drama category in the 2022 Royal Television and Society Programmes That's Award. because That's it's brilliant. so good. We've both enjoyed it, haven't we? Yeah, it was really and good. And so have a lot of our listeners, actually. Oh, talking of listeners, I want to thank you for buying me a coffee. I haven't bought you a coffee. Not you. <laughs> <laughs> it is slash YDLMF. No one's going to buy you a coffee. They have done. So there. And I want to thank you for your interaction. Thank you for listening. Why do you all listen at the same time? It's so bizarre. (laughs) How does that happen? It's really weird. Our spikes all happen at the same time. Is that because it's one person? (laughs) (laughs) No, that suggests there's more than one person. And even, even with you, you hater. I know. When you told me about our thousands of listeners, I was actually genuinely surprised and shocked and a little bit frightened. (laughs) We do have tens of thousands. Oh, I said thousands. You're saying tens of thousands now. Wow. Yes. And rising. I never look at our figures. Only you do. So you'll know. You know and I don't. Well, that's why I'm talking about the spikes. But we we really appreciate your listening, despite everything that Ben always says. <laughs> no, I'm incredibly grateful. And our interviewing of award-winning individuals. Um, and I also have to <sighs> Hang throw on, back award nominee. Award. Oh, award... Well, yeah, but there are some other award-winning individuals too. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I'm sure Colin has one of the awards anyway. I'm sure Mark Williams Thomas has an award. I keep on. Oh, no, I'm such an old timer. How long ago did we interview him? God, you're still you're still holding a candle for Mark WT. <laughs> He'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, Andrew. No, seriously, no, Mark actually is taking a break from social media, I think, or he took a break. No, he's, his media. break was very short. In fact, I was looking at his well-mowed lawn only just the other day. Oh, my God. You're stalking his house now. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah, the tree buckled under my weight. <laughs> hey, listen, um, Prince Andrew... has made the payment and settlement and we haven't referred to it at all and it's rumoured to be do you know how much ben no i don't know how much but i'm sure around the mark of guess 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 10 million what's your bet what's your bet higher higher 15 million 12 million 12 oh 12 million wow dollars or pounds don't (laughs) don't quiz me now (laughs) i presume it's in dollars in that case, it's probably about ten million pounds, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> no! It'd be about nine million, not about eight and a half, nine million pounds, I think. Pounds. It's pounds. Mm. Wow. The question of, of how this is in on theconversation.com. Andrew can afford this. Needs an answer. Everyone has been a bit up in arms about it. Reports suggest that he sold his ski chalet, apparently worth around eighteen million, after settling yeah, a no. debt. The remaining proceeds will go some of the way to fund the settlement. Well, that's true, because Fergie owns some of it, I think. But the rest will reportedly come from the Queen. I thought that the Treasury or whoever it was had said that it wasn't coming from the public purse. Well, okay, so here we go. The Queen has 
her own private wealth that's based on thank you income from, from I said land that, the other that, day. Yeah. that she owns crown estates yes and then there's also the civil list which is the amount the taxpayer coughs up every year to maintain the royal family in a manner that befits um, the monarchy of the United Kingdom, as in um, paying his two hundred and fifty grand salary. Yeah, I mean, it pays the sa- you know pays their in inverted commas salary. It pays for the upkeep of publicly owned buildings such as Buckingham Palace. I think some of the buildings are privately owned. Some of the royal residences are privately owned by Elizabeth Windsor. Um, some of them are owned by. <clears throat> or held in trust us perhaps by her for the nation i'm not sure which is which i'm not really a a royals watcher so to speak i've done my fair share over the years just hanging out outside their hospital rooms when they're on yeah the i mean basically waiting outside hospitals for them to die or waiting outside places at christmas or you know you know for, for them to turn up and sort of like wave to a few kind of you know shadows who are there to on christmas on boxing day to watch the royals go to church and stuff you know they're actually quite a good gauge of where you were at which time, aren't they? You often do yeah. it, oh, yeah, when so-and-so was dying. Yeah, that's right. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a good way. That's <laughs> a horrible thing to say, but kind your of Your calendar true. of death. That you sort of gauge your career by which death you covered at which time. <laughs> um, can we talk about Vladimir Putin? Vlad the, Vlad the Impaler, yeah, okay. <laughs> that, Vlad the Impaler really impaled his own people. Uh, oh, yeah, I mean, this this war um, that he has, this, this attack he has launched, what is, what is it it's called in Russia? It's not called a war, it's called a special operation. It just seems utterly insane. I, I can't possibly see any successful end game for him in this. He's either going to be facing years and years and years of vicious guerrilla warfare, um, similar to that faced by the Soviet Union in Afghanistan, or he's going to have to pull out. And no, there's no real way of launching an attack and then pulling out without um, achieving any of your objectives that makes you look like anything other than a complete prick. I, I just can't see it. And it looks like he's going to get done for war crimes. Well, I'm sure that's the least of his worries. I mean, because I have to arrest him first. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Well, let I, me make just... it clear to you. The shovel.com.au tells us that Putin's furious to discover that he still has a small dick. Now there is the news. <laughs> Vladimir Putin is said to be irate after realising that aggressively invading a sovereign nation has done nothing to increase the size of his tiny penis. <laughs> Sources close to the Kremlin say the president has, had assumed that this latest display of aggressive masculinity... So Vlad, they're not very deep in paler. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Vlad the Shallow. <laughs> but when he realised it wasn't working, he entered a rage. That's all about all he can enter. <laughs> Tiny penis. Oh, dear. Oh, I wow, am the most manly man in the whole of mankind. Yet all my life I have a tiny penis, <laughs> he shouted at AIDS. <laughs> I ride bears through the woods and nothing happens. I go hunting I with shirt off and still nothing happens. <laughs> I don't I s- have enough to put in. 
<laughs> I send in troops to bomb entire nation of Ukraine, and yet still my penis is like a tiny worm at the bottom of a tequila bottle. <laughs> what do I have to oh. do to find a no to have a normal size sex organ? <laughs> normal size sex organ. Psychologist Jennifer Higgins said something needed to be done quickly to avoid further violence. She quote. Usually a middle-aged man with a small penis would just buy a Ferrari or start up a space programme, would they? <laughs> <laughs> but when the man's in charge of one of the world's largest militaries, it's more problematic. <laughs> I think that judge's quote can be called into play here, can't it? He's not nice to people he knows and people he doesn't know. <laughs> Oh, dear. I mean, having said that, I mean, this is all absolutely awful. Uh, I have noticed quite a lot of people on social media as well finally realising actually the BBC is quite a good thing. Some of the reporting from there has been spectacular, especially, I mean, Lise Doucette is just amazing. Mm. Um, and all Aguerin. And um, Clive Myrie, too, um, has done a pretty good job out there, it has to be said. And uh, Rita, Rita Chakrabarty, she's got her feet firmly on the ground in, uh, in Lviv, I believe. Is she there now? Yeah, I think so. Well, she was the last time I watched the news which was the other day. And your mate, um, who was on the Polish border. Oh, Kasia. Kasia was there. Kasia. Yeah, Kasia's done really good. Yeah, good old Kasia. She's my but mate I from afar. Kasia. I waved at her across the party Kasia. when she waved at you. <laughs> <laughs> but she had too much entourage around her. <laughs> Kasia's entourage. <laughs> but she said, that's a, I think there's a pop star called Kasia. That rings a bell with me. Kasia's uh, a, a pop star called Kasia, yeah. She is Definitely. a bit of a pop star. She's big in Poland. She is big in Poland. What's She's their Hello Poland. magazine called? Was she, was she one of our top polls? Unlike Vladimir. She's in that kind of thing quite a lot. Hello magazine. Is she really? Oh, wow. Well done, Kasia. Yeah, she's great at self-promotion. I don't mean that rudely. Yes, you do. <laughs> Not jealous. <laughs> You're very jealous of all Kasia's success, aren't you? Mm. You've gone? Yeah, no, I'm just looking, I'm oh, looking it up, but I'm staying with the <laughs> I shovel. I lost you. No, don't worry, you're not that lucky. Um, I need to <laughs> yes. go to a party and okay. I need to eat before the party just in case they don't well, if you, me. Uh, Say hello to Kasia, please, for me. <laughs> I might wave at her if she's lucky. I think you should. I mean, she'll be lucky to, to have a wave from you. <laughs> Can and, you... Your, and your massive entourage. <laughs> Oh, at least it's not my massive something else for a change. Um, uh, and you have a new animal. I think we should discuss this. Oh, yes. We've got a new kitty cat called Daisy. Oh, I thought Daisy. she was called something else. No, she's called... Well, I mean, she's got like a mark on her nose, which looks like a phallus. So she's also known as little cock face. Oh, I see. I didn't know that Daisy. was why. I thought you were just being horrible. She looks a <laughs> bit surprised on the photograph you sent me. Oh, that's because I stuck a pencil up her ass. Are you kidding? Are you going to tweet a photograph of her? I expect Meow. you will. <laughs> uh, Where did you very, get her very from? Very sweet. Very, very sweet. A little sweetie. Oh, just some rescue moggy um, via the RSPCA. I assume she'd been massively abused by previous owners or something. Oh, yeah. Like well, that. now she's got an owner who, which calls her cock face. That's brilliant, that is. <laughs> yeah, but uh, to be fair, I mean, unless she's a remarkably intelligent cat, I don't think she actually understands the concept. <laughs> But I, what I find awful is that she's like coming to you for love and stuff, and you're like, "Hello, cockface." Oh, I haven't. It's called a bit like our relationship. <laughs> Call you cockface. <laughs> Don't stick a pencil up my bum. Oh god. <laughs> oh god. 
<laughs> Some people would like to do that, I'll have you know. <laughs> you didn't let me finish at gmail.com. People pay good money for it. <laughs> yeah. Milfy Gilfy. Oh. <laughs> www. Dot. <laughs> would that make you a whole week? <laughs> On that note, ba-dum. bye. Bye bye, everyone. Bye, Ben. Bye. 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 bye.